0: Welcome to the HR like a boss podcast. I'm your host, John Bernadovich. Thank you so much for listening. Please consider liking, commenting, subscribing, and sharing with a friend. I've embarked on a journey to get to know amazingly awesome HR and business professionals with the hope to find out what it takes to do HR like a boss. On today's show, I am so excited to be joined by my dear friend, Pat Perry. Many of you know Pat from his days at ERC or prior to that, a successful career, but I cannot thank you enough, Pat, for being on the HR Like a Boss podcast. Welcome to the show. John,
1: thanks very much. Happy to be here.
0: Well, it's an honor. I know it's uh, one of those things. You and I formed a relationship during uh, my formation of Willery and uh, our partnership while at ERC. And I I just, I, I was, frankly, I was sad to hear when you retired, but super excited for you. I know Kelly and team are doing a great job over at ERC, but I'm sure a lot of people are curious, what the hell have you been doing since you retired, air quote, retired from ERC?
1: Uh, Thanks. Uh, And John, again, uh, before I share that, you know, you mentioned you and I met a long time ago. I I think it's really important for the, you know, kind of the audience to know. I mean, I've been a fan from, uh, I guess, almost day one, because when when we first met and you had shared that you had this virtual company and, and that's the way you were going to run things. And I, I thought you were nuts. I thought we were pretty progressive thinkers at ERC, but I've got to tell you, in retrospect, uh, without a question, uh, you are definitely one of the pioneers of virtual uh, of a virtual workforce. And having gotten to know you over the years and your team. Uh, I would tell you a thumbs up all the way. You, you guys have done an unbelievable job and have remained an incredibly um, important voice in our community, but all, in the business community, but also uh, leadership by example. So I want to thank you very much for all that you guys ha- have done and uh, uh, hats off to you. I appreciate uh, that. Well, I, I'll have you read the uh, the plug in the middle of the, yeah. the podcast for <laughs> Willery. You'd be better at it
0: than I would. But I'll be glad anyway, to tell that. people what you're up to. And I, I that's sure. very kind of you, Pat. It means a ton to me. I know I do remember that conversation as yeah. well as I'm sure you do. And and that was one of those things. I respected the hell out of you at that time and beyond. And I was like, wow, I, I really, I really, I have that guy scratching his head. What What are we doing? Is a little different than <laughs> than he was used to. That was I'll never forget it. So thanks for Let's sharing see. that.
1: Uh, there are a lot of people who are scratching their head when they talk to us. So, uh, no, I've been I've been extremely busy. Actually, I I share with folks that I, I think I'm busier today than I've ever been at any time in my career. I've taken on all kinds of interesting projects, and as anyone would attest to, who's left kind of the formal day to day work world, which I did back at the end of 2018. Uh, I have a, a, a national podcast now. I've been, a, I think we're about to record episode 103. Uh, we, uh, yeah, it was, it's, it, it's been pretty, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Had some fantastic guests, you included, uh, on the show. But uh, we've had folks from the sports world to, in fact, one of the uh, a very neat guests I had on was the uh, gold medalist in the pole vault uh, this past summer Uh uh, Katie uh, did a fantastic job and some pretty inspirational people. So the podcast has kept me busy. I have um, done some virtual work in terms of speaking, I uh, and I don't charge a dime for that. It's one of the things I committed to uh, a long time ago. Uh, after I left ERC, uh, I've, both my books, uh, which were uh, published back in 2016 and 2018, respectively, We uh, transformed into audio books last year, and also in this process, all of them were kind of, both of them were were redone and and upgraded, so we have a second edition out of those. And then uh, I teach class at Lake Erie College in their MBA course uh, in leadership, and then uh, I do some um, pro bono uh, coaching uh, of some select folks that have been uh, if you will, career-long friends of mine who uh, asked if I could help uh, perhaps our VP of HR out or themselves. And again, uh, I've done that pro bono as a, as a way to kind of, if you will, uh, as I know it sounds a little cheesy, but a way to give back for all those wonderful years that some of these people supported our success at ERC and before.
0: Yeah, wow, you are busy. That's Awesome. Yeah. So thankful
1: for you to have have
0: done all that, and uh, you kind of encore career is, is certainly a unique thing. And, and like you said, I've heard that many times. Those that uh, I call air quote retired in your case uh, are busier now than they were when they were, you know, in a traditional work setting. So that's really cool. Keep it up, Pat. I know I know the, the world could use more people like you that are are making a difference and trying to drive change uh, for all the right reasons. So keep, keep at it.
1: Yeah, that, that fire, John, hasn't uh, extinguished at all, I think, uh, given the circumstances where I think we're in a, a you know, I, I won't call us post-pandemic, who knows when this thing will ever end, you know, the ebb and flows of it, but it, it did precipitate, as, as we both know, a lot of uh, forced changes in the workplace, and from my perspective, uh, it's, it's change that was, uh, you know, we may have seen in 20 years. And it accelerated significantly because of COVID and some real positive changes that I think right now are sitting on uh, a number of desks in terms of now, what do we do? And I think to a lot of folks, it's very clear on what to do. Uh, Embrace the changes that are before us because uh, I, I would never want to return back to where we were, which was a very archaic approach to workplace and HR and very archaic policies and programs, which we can chat about uh, during this call, but uh, I think it's an incredibly uh, inspiring time uh, to uh, move the workplace forward in ways we've never dreamed about.
0: Yeah, no, I I cannot agree with you more. I think in that time, what we were all unified by, we were all forced to do something different because of the global pandemic. We were all in this together it felt like unification around like 9-11, at least for us in the United States. But this was a global thing that we were all yeah. dealing with. And I, I, I can't agree with you more. I've, I've thought about this a lot because I've been asked the question. I know a lot of things have happened uh, really terribly over the last two years for businesses and people and families. And it's just it's terribly unfortunate. But uh, for those of us that have been able to, um, you know, in essence, in some cases survive that that uh, uh, two year period. And, and again, as we drive through what is, is COVID as part of our life, our daily life, is that we're, we're forced to continue to innovate and do things differently. Because if you are, if you are running a business today, you've done, you've done something to get through those last two years that uh, a lot of companies would, would marvel at and wish could be in the same boat. And I think you've got to continue to iterate and get better and drive change and re- really be centered on purpose and your people. If you're, if you're, if you're trying to find a true North on anything, purpose and people would be my main suggestion. Cause everything else kind of cascades from there. If you get the right people all lined up, understanding why you're doing what you're doing and, and do some good with the business that you're doing from a community perspective. That, that's my two cents. on it. You didn't oh, ask well, me, but I, I guess I'm the host of the podcast. <laughs> and I can share whatever I want, but uh, I felt compelled to do that.
1: No, well said. I couldn't have said it better.
0: Yeah, awesome. Well, hey Pat, the very first question I ask all my guests and I cannot wait for your response is what would you describe as the purpose of human resources?
1: Well, I knew that question it was uh, it was coming cuz I do follow your uh the podcast and and enjoy so many of your guests. So I if I can I, I'll answer it briefly but in two ways. One, you know, in terms of the purpose, I think it some would answer it in terms of matter perspective. I mean, I think that the purpose of HR is different based on who you're asking. And I know you're asking me, but before I give you my answer, I, I think you know it's a great question that every HR professional should be asking a, a, of themselves, but also what would the CEO's response be to that? What, what are the, the peers in that organization? What's their answer? How about the employees of the organization? How about vendors? You know the purpose of h r is different. and if you let's say you had a company of fifty people, if you asked everybody in that organization, you, know, you may not get fifty different answers, but you're probably not going to get one that's the same. You're going to get a lot of different versions and and that's an issue. I, I really do. I think that's a big issue because I think that's something that needs to get clarified. i I would say the purpose of HR today is very different uh, than it was three years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. I think today it's leadership by example in terms of reinventing and re-engineering the workplace. But I would also tell you that, uh, or or share that, and I've believed this for a long time, is that you can't define purpose of of HR unless you understand, for your organization at least, where you align in terms of what, what, what are you trying to attract and retain? And in other words, I've always believed that an organization has to answer the following question for HR to be functional. And, the, and that question is, is the organization committed to only hiring and retaining top performers? And there's no right or wrong answer to that, but I encourage companies to at least answer the question. Because if the answer is no, we're not committed to only top performers, we'll take anybody who breathes, for instance. And there are companies like that, Well, they'll take bodies. Well, that's a whole different uh, game plan then for HR. Now you at least know where you're heading as a company and you know what will be supported so my purpose changes. But if I am in that kind of top top performer uh, uh, attraction and retention model, well, my purpose is pretty laser focused. But I think it also is one that needs to be clarified for all the constituents and internal customers in the organization. Yeah, I've been studying that quite a bit. We we implemented scaling up at Willery,
0: which is a business operating system, pretty similar to EOS, probably that's the most common one. And inside of that, uh, they really push, they push top grading and who I, I've been studying that. Uh, well, before uh, we got into to scaling up, but I'm just so curious, Pat, because I know what this is 20 some plus years ago that North coast 99 came out of your mind or team's mind at ERC and became this thing. Now that's a long standing tradition for those in Northeast Ohio to be recognized. And I know that's a huge, that's a, that, that's the cornerstone of North coast, right? It's a, the top 99, workplaces for for top talent and i'm curious the genesis of that where did that come from for you probably 20 plus years ago where again today people are still struggling with this idea clearly if if you're suggesting that's the number one thing that we need to get clear on in hr where did that come from for you
1: yeah the north coast 99 concept or even
0: just the behind it of the uh, top talent, the attraction and retention of top talent
1: yeah that, the genesis of that was really just from observation and also spending a career in HR, you know, in different HR fields. I was a practitioner, I was a provider, I was somewhere in the middle at times, but always HR related. And, and I had uh, a great formal career of interacting with a, tons of companies, tons of CEOs, tons of HR professionals, very involved with SHRM, both in uh, Lake and Geauga counties and, of course, Cleveland. Uh, over many, many years. And so I think it's one of observations. And, and, you, and I saw this consistent miss. You know, you talked about, uh, you know, before we, we got on, we talked about uh, a little bit about some misses in, 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 in our uh, workplace today. But it was a miss that I saw all the time, which was so many HR uh, teams and professionals were out there just kind of floundering, and there was really no metrics to define success. The success hasn't been defined. They, they were just kind of like, you know, whether they were pushing paper or, 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 or whether they're just following what the CEO wanted or trying to be the employee advocate or, or trying to comply with the latest, you know, uh, uh, law that came down from the federal state government. I mean, you almost saw this zigzag uh, effect. And, and, and at the end of the year, you would say, did we do a great job from an HR perspective? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we're in compliance and we updated our handbook and we updated some of our policies and everybody got paid. And, but those are all tactical. Uh, They're not very strategic. They, they, they aren't against measured against anything. And so long time ago, it started realizing, you know, there needs to be some sort of Every HR professional going into a new job should be asking that CEO, where do you stand relative to attracting and retaining top people? Just get an answer. And I'm not even quite sure that there are some leaders in our community or in any uh, community in the US who answer that, have taken time to answer that question amongst their management team. I mean, it's critical to get that answer because if you don't have an answer to that question, how the heck do you perform in HR? Well, you zigzag and you put out fires in term, instead of doing things based off of, that's the goal. So that was kind of the genesis to say, let's identify not only a great workplace, but places that are focused on the top performer model. Because a great workplace by itself could have been just for people who are like going through the motions. Yeah, it's a great place to work. There's no accountability. You know, I love working here and nobody pays attention to me. Well, that's not what we wanted to honor. We wanted to honor organizations that are bringing in top people because it drives everything. Average people do not drive the success of your business at all. There's no history books written about average performers, only about top people. Top performers drive 100% of your organization's success. And so why not have that be the goal all the time. And so that's really where it came from. And we focused on that and we really try to create an application and a process for North Coast that would surface organizations who are doing that better than others.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's cool to hear. I, I think one of the most unique things, I've mentioned it in the book, is the idea that recruiting and talent acquisition needs to be a number one priority for all human resource professionals. And Absolutely. I might say, all I mean, payroll, I mean, benefits, I mean, a generalist, I mean everybody not in talent acquisition. And I cannot tell you how many times I've t- talked to HR professionals that say, Hey, I want to do this, this, and this, but I don't want to do recruiting. And I always scratch my head when, they say that because I, I'm just completely confused. It's like the number one branded thing, I, I would think if, again, and I have not gotten the same answer to the purpose of HR and I am no I won't, Pat, so I'll, I'll let you know if we do, but I can tell you what a lot of outside non-HR professionals think, it's it's hiring, firing, right? That's, that's what they look at HR as. And again, the firing part is, is, I think, a part of the job, unfortunately at times, but the hiring part needs to be a, you know, I'm putting my hat on today and I, I love doing this. I, I want to represent this company and find great talent because they know like in my business and any other client's business, wherever there's an issue, there's likely a person that ha- is associated with that issue. Uh, whether a leader is not getting things done, whether a, a line manager isn't managing or holding people accountable, whether it's someone not showing up time on time to work, it usually has to do with a person if, some, if there's an issue inside of your business. And I, I cannot agree with you more. Top talent makes leaders look great, right? Look, look at Absolutely. great teams that are out there that have terrible talent of a great leader, great leadership or coaching. They end up not winning as much. And sometimes, when you get that combo of great talent and great leadership, in in the sports analogy, a lot, a lot, a lot of, lot of things get accomplished. A lot of championships get won. I'm with you.
1: And what you're doing in HR changes dramatically when you increase the population of top performers, or at least you're driving to push your people that way.
0: Yeah. And, it, and the thing that I've found, it just makes it easy to recruit people into your firm when you have top talent. People are attracted to winners, right? Absolutely. I mean, we've all seen living in Cleveland, the, the, the turmoil of uh, the losses that we've had across all of our major sports franchises and people, people get dis- disenfranchised. With. I look at what's going on with the Guardians right now. I, there's like no energy around the Guardians. I don't know if it has to do with the change of the name it has to do with the strike or it has to do with the fact that the owner doesn't spend any money to get any top talent in maybe some combination thereof but it gets it gets lost in the shuffle you you need that combo of leadership coaching and top talent to to have great success and like you said to have somebody write a book about what you did uh, it's usually not about a, an, an average performer it's about people right. that stand out
1: yep absolutely and that's
0: that's what uh, HR Like a Boss is all about. Amazingly awesome HR, things above and beyond what the what the norm is. And it's, it, it it goes to my next question, this idea of transformation. I know it's a term thrown around way too much, in my opinion. It's kind of like goat in sports. Like uh, there's, you know, greatest of all time. We can debate that till you're blue in the face. But I'm curious about an actual like real life example for you, Pat, in your career where you, you actually did see transformation taking place within within a company that you were part of and the impact it had on its employees?
1: Yeah, I, I would say, you know, transformation, uh, I, 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 I thought a little bit about this concept of transformation a little bit and, you know, it happens over time and it never seems to happen like overnight, at least uh, from my uh, experience and, and the organizations I've been part of. I would say the closest we came to transformation is uh, when we decided with the board support to overhaul uh, ERC back in whenever it was 1997. Oh my gosh. And, uh, you know, that was a transformation in terms of basically. You know, reengineering the board, reengineering the workforce. What we did, how we did it, uh, all of that. I, I would share with you that when when I've seen transformation, it usually comes about because of two things. One is failure. You know, people facing failure or catastrophic issues that are going on in an organization, which catches everybody's attention. And if it's done, if and if you're failing consistently, then it it probably gives you a um, a, a pretty good idea that things probably need to go in a different direction. And then number two is experiences with, with really bad bosses. And I think culturally, you start seeing some of this, uh, these changes in an organization, you start, start seeing some of the symptoms where transformation is needed, high turnover of, of, of really good people, uh, financials not doing as well as they should be, uh, organizations not getting noticed as well as they've done, the brand starts hurting. The reputation starts hurting, and all of a sudden, uh, there there becomes that kind of tipping point. And I think every organization can transform either from a negative position to a positive position and hits a tipping point, or not, or they die. Or you can actually go from a tipping point of being very successful and all of a sudden quit achieving. And in other words, some people reach the summit too early and they don't try to keep climbing. So we've seen that also where the transformation is what the heck happened to this organization who was doing so well. So these, these, these tipping points I've seen along in my career that are quite identifiable in terms of some symptoms, but it, that's where you really see some leadership come in in terms of saying, listen, we need to make some kind of cataclysmic changes here, or we're either, we're just not going to sustain any sort of success here so I know it's kind of a vague answer but I've really thought about that and and in a pinpoint uh, outside of having some control over the things we did at ERC early on uh, where we transformed everything uh, everything we did in that organization internally and externally I would say that probably is the closest thing to perhaps what you're asking about yeah, and I think
0: obviously saw the impact of uh, the courage to make those radical changes at the time, and kind of re- rewrote the history books as far as ERC up until I, having a long history prior to your to your leadership, and and likely long after. But uh, ch- charting the course down that path certainly takes a, a lot of courage. And uh, at the same time, I, I had I had someone share with me recently this idea of uh, willingness to take risks not for the fear of getting fired, but for the fear of just staying complacent. And yeah. I, it, re, it really stood out to me, this, this idea of, let's, let, let's not be afraid to take a risk. Worst case is you're gonna get fired from your job. If you, if you end up standing, hand, raising your hand for something that you're maybe not qualified for, you know it's okay, Sa- safety, safety gets us nowhere, right? The best you can do when you're at baseball, the safest thing to do is try to bunt. More often than not, you either get out or you get to first base, best case scenario. So I think I think taking risks and and swinging that bat at times uh, feels like the only way to do it from my standpoint. and complacency is a whole nother subject. We'll get right. into that at another time. but well, hey Pat, let me let me dive into one of the concepts in the book that I think is is really was the the genesis for me writing was this idea of. I was at Nork several years ago, and I I opened up my presentation with this slide that said, I hate HR, and I thought for sure 100 people would either start booing or they would just walk out of the room. And 15 minutes later, a few shed tears and Hmm. probably half the room raising their hand, wanting to participate, pouring out, why, why do people not like me or like me for the role that I have within the organization? I'm curious as to how you think HR can break down that stigma of others that aren't in it that say, I hate HR.
1: Yeah, and and anyone who knows me uh, knows that I am uh, very biased. I uh, believe that HR is probably the most important function in any organization, especially when it's done correctly. Uh, And that includes things like uh, in trying to encourage the CEOs I know to have HR report directly to them. Uh, rather than being filtered through the CFO or CIO or COO. Uh, I've always felt very strongly about that. But I think, you know, getting back to your question, John, I think HR is uh, misunderstood at times, uh, misrepresented sometimes. Uh, I think there's also some legacy reputation attached to that in terms of Uh, being uh, HR could be, you know, perceived as paper pushers or bureaucratic or bottleneck or, or, oh my gosh, they're the ones who who make us do all these, you know, these rules and they're the ones who issue the handbook, which isn't a really pleasant thing to read. And so you take a look at some of the aspects of what HR has to deliver uh, in the organization and it's usually not a lot of fun stuff and so I think the important part in terms of, you know, people who hate HR or, or say that or that stigma, I think, you know, HR professionals could go a long way to ensuring that their function in their company is better understood. And I'm not suggesting anyone sell, you know, what they're doing to people in terms of, you know, we really do a lot of great things because I think anyone who's been in the function understands that is the truth. It's just that some people just don't know that and only see the superficial part about here are these deliverables that are causing me work, causing me pain. I've got to go through this. i got to fill out this form. I've got to follow these rules. I've got to be careful because we can't fire this person. And all of this comes back to this really unique function in this organization that has so many different hats, so many responsibilities, and it's amazing that uh, that so many people are uh, pers- uh, sustained success in this arena for a long period of time because it's not an easy job. It is not an easy job, particularly when you are, uh, you know, move up the ranks in HR. The pressure uh, continues. The microscope gets a little bit more focused on you. And you start realizing that you've got so many different, if you will, internal customers and bosses, the board, the CEO, other leaders in the organization, coworkers, employees, external folks, families of employees. I mean, there's a lot of people that are affected by what you might say, what you might do. And particularly you take a look at the last couple of years, I got to tell you, the $230 million that a certain quarterback just got for a certain football team should have been spread amongst all the HR professionals in this town because they deserve it. What, what top HR professionals had to go through over the last several years in terms of constantly pivoting, constantly having to re-engineer, rethink, what do we do now, new information. I mean, the rules changed, it, it seemed almost daily. And I sat back and I shook my head and I thought, wow, what a time to be in that profession. I hope nobody hates HR after this. I really, I got to tell you, I, I think if anything, HR should be walk, one of the folks walking down the hall where everybody's given a standing ovation because you know it's one thing to be misunderstood. And I think HR professionals can do a better job of communicating what they do. But I also think that there's a joint responsibility of other people having a better appreciation for what HR professionals are actually doing in the organization. It, they're amazing people with, an, with amazing, incredibly important jobs. And if the last two years didn't show everybody that, then I don't know what it's going to take.
0: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, I, I, I feel very passionate having worked the last 25 years of my career you know, focused mainly in the HR supporting the HR profession through the the, the businesses that I've owned or the companies that I work for. It's just, it's, it's, it's not for the faint of heart. There's a lot of things you have to do really well to do the job. Well, it's complicated for all the, again, the the stakeholders that you're responsible for or that you serve at the end of the day, though, you really can make a big difference. If you do it the right way, I think, again, that's, that's the point to the risk that you take. You put in all that blood, sweat and tears, time, energy, and effort, for the chance to make a difference inside of your employees' lives and driving profitability in your company and reaching their goals. So that let's say they can do something good with that in the community, whether it's to support a benefactor in a a nonprofit or to do something in a local community, I think it's uh, profoundly impactful. I think it gets troublesome for HR professionals, especially is when they don't have that true north and everyone isn't aligned to why are we doing all these things? Why are we doing all this stuff that you're asking us to do? Well, it's because of keeping a good steward over the business so that we can continue to make money and then drive that money back to employees and into the community. All that stuff makes a ton of sense. Sometimes I think uh, you can easily lose sight of that. And that's the people that do probably are the ones... Uh, maybe holding those signs up or maybe Twitter is the perfect place for it. Cause any, anything goes on Twitter to say, I hate HR. <laughs> I haven't seen that recently, but yeah. I, I won't be the one to start. I'll be the, I'll be the
1: opposite. I'll be the, I, I heart HR, right? The, uh, yeah. the, the heart sign yeah. and love sign. Yeah. So. A, lot, a, lot, a lot of people love HR and I'm, and I think you and I are in that same club. I, I, you know, what other position other than uh, possibly the CEO affects so many people personally, right? I mean, it's incredible the opportunity that HR professionals have to truly make a difference. I mean, how cool is that, that in your job, you have an opportunity to make a difference? And and unfortunately, I think because of the pressures and the stresses and the workloads that HR professionals get, I think maybe sometimes that could get lost. People are tired, but, you know, if there was ever a message to HR is, you know, keep on keep on keeping on because you're making a difference and and you do. And I I believe that most HR professionals are making a positive difference to the best of their ability to so many folks.
0: Yeah, no, I'm with you.
1: Well, hey, it's time for me to thank our sponsor who's near and
0: dear to my heart. Uh, Willery has supported the formation and continues to provide resources needed to put on this podcast and have great guests like Pat Perry. Willery's purpose is to empower people and is focused on supporting mid-sized companies with our search and staffing services along with a unique client-side HR technology consulting practice. If you're struggling to find top talent in your HR and payroll teams or you're not getting the return on your investment in your HR technology, please visit willery.com to learn more. Always weird for me to do that Pat. My marketing team says I have to, maybe they <laughs> Maybe they don't say I have to, but it is a strong suggestion, but uh, they have been, uh, Willery's been obviously a, a cornerstone behind uh, the HR Like a Boss, support, supporting the writing of that and the resources that go into it. So there I have it. I'll stop talking.
1: And, and also a great, again, as, as I mentioned before, a great positive influence on our Northeast Ohio business community. And I hope that you guys continue to have a long, long and continued successful uh, ride on this. You guys have done a great job and you have great people. Do you employ. Terrific.
0: Thank you, Pat. means a lot. All right, a couple more questions. So uh, next is talking about this idea. We hear a lot, right people, right position, right time, right seat, pe- you know, all, all that concept. I'm curious as to what that means to you and the simplest way that you would suggest to employers and those in the HR profession to achieve that.
1: Yeah, you know that's the perfect alignment, right? Right place, right time, right boss, right organization. I mean, that's that's what I would want for my kids. uh, What I uh, want for my one who's still in college, but uh, uh, my daughter is in a great situation where you know, through a couple different uh, experiences, she's arrived at that place. So you know, hats off to her. And it is a journey. We all know that, and I and I think that. uh, People, number one, need to recognize that. It takes a while for that. But I would go back, John, to what I commented before on is in order to be able to have the alignment of right place, right time, right boss, right organization, right culture, all of that, I think you still need to, and I'm gonna beat the the horse here on this one, but I think you still need to answer the question about what kind of talent you want and what kind of talent you wanna keep. Because once you understand that, once you commit to that, And once you publicize that internally and externally in terms of this is who we are, this is what we do, then I think that uh, alignment in terms of all of of those pieces and parts becomes easier uh, from the standpoint of how do we fill these jobs, who do we want to keep. But also on the other end, it helps the employees, uh, the managers, the leaders in organizations who are also seeking alignment in their workday, in their work life right? It goes both ways. You, when that happens, when people feel that way and the organization feels that way, magic happens in an organization. I mean, things that you never dreamed of before. That's where real innovation takes place. That's when real financial per- performance takes place, real productivity takes place. And whether you're virtual or whether you're in person or in a hybrid community, I will tell you that's, that magic shows up when that alignment occurs.
0: Yeah. So simple simple as getting commitment from your executive leadership team that we are committed to only hiring and retaining top talent and making sure your HR team as a result of that attracts that type of talent. When you interview them, you have the right level of questions to ask so that you can discern, uh, are you really truly a top performer? And then once they start, give them all the tools and resources they can to be as successful as they possibly can. And if you don't have a top performer inside of your organization. It's in your and their best interest to the proverbial coaching them up or coaching them out. Right. And uh, you got, you got to be mindful of that. And that's sometimes I don't, people might think that's the hard part of HR that's to me, that's really strategic. Hey, we've got someone that's not working out. Let's figure out why maybe there's situations that are going on that we need to dig into. It could be a bad boss. Could be, it could be a a bad fit for, for their position could have some unique personal things going on. There's a lot of reasons That happens, I I would encourage HR to run toward that, figure it out, and come up with a plan to address it. But I I can't agree with you more. The criticality of top talent is, is paramount inside of an organization.
1: And, John, where it isn't, where top management, the leaders in the organization give the response back to HR that, no, we can't commit to that. Then at least HR knows where they stand. And then that individual needs to make a decision do I want to operate in this kind of company? I mean, if you believe in the top performer model, you want to be in an organization that's totally committed to it. But there are plenty of organizations that are not. And I think that's where you find, you know, potentially you can have toxic toxic cultures. Those organizations probably didn't sustain success too well over the last couple of years. I mean, it's a it's really just getting an answer to that question, but it's also one that once you do, I mean, Imagine if the leadership in an organization said, well, we're not, we're, we're committed to hiring and keeping you know, pretty good people. Well, who's gonna promote that? <laughs> and what really good HR professional wants to work in that environment? I can't urge top HR level folks uh, to get the answer to that. And make that a conversation at the next management retreat to have. It'd be a fascinating conversation. Because once you commit to that, it changes the whole model comp, Benny's, performance management, everything. It changes everything. But until you commit to it, yeah, business as usual. Yeah, no, awesome.
0: Well, hey, Pat, uh, regretfully, I got to get you out of here on this. I know the podcast is not meant to be over an hour, but we're getting close to it. And that's fantastic because I always enjoy our time together. So the book is called HR Like a Boss. Uh, The podcast is obviously called HR Like a Boss. I'm curious, how do you describe someone that
1: does HR like a boss? Uh, I would say authentic leadership. Uh, It's really simple. I I don't have a long answer to that. I think HR Like a Boss today is uh, authentic leadership where the HR person knows, and this is, I've believed this for a long time individuals know what they're doing they believe in what they're doing and they have a passion for what they're doing when you combine that with the hr technical skills and uh, expertise and experience along with authentic leadership i think that's hr like a boss
0: Mm, fantastic
1: pat you were great a couple
0: things that stood out to me well many did but I'll, i'll surmise them with this this idea that uh the purpose of HRs is, is to do so, leading by example. So it's so critical uh, from an HR perspective to to be uh, the showcase of how things should be done from a leadership perspective. That was awesome. I know I know we spent a lot of time, several times in the podcast, talking about the focus on top performers, top talent, uh, attracting and retaining them, and how important that is within an organization. You also touched on a point I thought was also interesting. Around the importance of cultural reputation, sometimes those things change internally, and then all of a sudden it becomes known externally, and then, uh, oh, we've got a problem on our hands because uh, who we are is uh, becoming known to the community in in a bad way or in a good way, right? How how important that can be, and then this uh, this opportunity for for HR to have a. For, to creating a better understanding of HR's purpose. I think the very first question I asked, it wasn't clear if everyone gave the same answer, but there is an opportunity to have a North Star about what, what HR is trying to do. And I think your message is clear that the importance of attracting and retaining top talent. And then last but not least, your suggestion to uh, doing amazingly awesome HR is as simple as being authentic in your leadership. Uh, fant-
1: fantastic job, Pat. I really enjoyed having you on the show. Listen, I'm flattered to ask me, John, and continued success to you uh, and this podcast, of course, your book, and of course, you and the team at Willery. Uh, Fantastic job. Thank you, Pat. Thank you for
0: checking out the HR Like a Boss podcast. If it resonates with you, please consider leaving a rating or review. And better yet, subscribe and share with a friend. Until next time, let's continue to aspire to do amazingly awesome HR.